I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers. Thank you for joining us on the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Rachel Roth. She is the founder and the CEO of Urban Skin Rx, a clinical skincare brand for diverse skin tones. An established licensed esthetician, Rachel is a game changer in the beauty space and prides herself on bringing inclusivity to the clinical skincare industry. Rachel's journey began in 2006 when she founded Urban Skin Solutions Medical Spa in Charlotte, North Carolina. And after treating thousands of clients for common skincare conditions related to melanin-rich skin, Rachel founded Urban Skin Rx Skincare Line in 2010 and has continued to grow a notable roster of high-caliber celebrity clientele like Tiana Taylor, Fantasia, Tasha Cobbs. And Rachel and her products have been seen in Forbes, Essence, InStyle, and WWD, and more. So please welcome to the show, Rachel. Hey, how are you doing? (laughs) I am fantastic. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Thank you. You have an amazing voice. I feel like I'm on NPR or something. It's like very (laughs) soothing, but like authoritative and smart. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That I will take that compliment deeply because I am definitely someone who has struggled to, I'm going to say, own my voice. And that is why I started this podcast. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bef- before we even jump into any of the questions, I just want to say congratulations on your engagement. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you- surreal. Um didn't think I would ever get married based on my relationship history. So it's very exciting to, you know, be in a healthy, new, you know, exciting place with that. Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love that. I'm a lover of love. So when I saw that on your Instagram, I was like, I just need to make sure that I congratulate her on that because I am cheering from the sidelines. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It definitely has taken a lot of like healthy, strong, independent, um, powerful women around me to, you know, help me with my journey and my standards and, you know, realizing that not all men, you know, are terrible and you, you know, attract how you feel about yourself and what you put out Mm -hmm. is what you get. So definitely. Thank you. (laughs) I absolutely get it. Been there, done that, but the show is not about me. So let's <laughs> jump into digging in to get to know you on a deeper level. 
I would love to know before we get started to where you are presently, I would love to know, Rachel, like, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Like, what was your childhood dreams? I think, you know, prior to high school, I think it changed a few different times. I remember wanting to be a lawyer for a long time, then a hairdresser, even at times a social worker. Um, But it always had a common theme of wanting to help people, help people, you know, look better, feel better, you know, improve the quality of their life, um, give them some type of justice if they weren't being treated fairly. You know, I went through a lot with bullying at a very young age. So I think I wanted from a young age to do something where I could help others you know, put them in a position where they felt better about themselves or that I could, I could help them um, be treated fairly in some type of way. So there was like this, it sounds weird, but to be like, oh, I want to be a criminal defense lawyer, but I also want to be a hairdresser. <laughs> and <laughs> the career I ended up in, I think was that middle ground, you know, being one of the first brands to bring more inclusivity to a skincare industry that had, you know, severe disparities as it comes to, you know, offering safe, effective, you you know, treatments as well as products for all skin tones, specifically deeper skin tones, I think is, is kind of like that middle ground where I'm doing something to fix an injustice while also helping people improve their confidence from the outside inside. I love it. I love it. Okay. So walk us through that journey of how you went from what you wanted to be as a little girl to how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but I at like at a young age developed a nevus mole on the side of my mouth, which was part of the intense bullying I went through. Looked like a big brown, like kind of puffed out black mark on my face. and um, so, and then it also had to be watched for precancerous cells that were growing in it. So because of the place that was on my, on my mouth, they couldn't just cut it out without completely distorting my mouth and my, you know, mouth structure in terms of how I smiled, I talked. And so they started with trying to laser it off. And so I would go to UCSF, um, San Francisco Medical Center and was almost like a test um, patient for this ruby laser. And it was a blade of laser, meaning that, you know, it would burn the skin. And so I think through all of junior high, I had to have like a bandaid on the side of my mouth because I was going back and forth for treatments every three or four weeks and it would bubble up and crust over and say the least it failed. And then eventually I ended up getting the majority of it cut out by a plastic surgeon. But I think that that experience and then at the same time started developing acne. So I was around a lot of cosmetic dermatologists who, who, you know, at this time I was living in California where I grew up, they did have estheticians and medical spas. This is 25 years ago and where California was really ahead of most of the country in terms of cosmetic um, skincare. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was, you know, get different facial products for acne for my esthetician at the derms office. And I'd get like these medical facials and I'd had these experience with these lasers. And I just like always loved it because it was gave so much more results than just like a regular facial. And so 
pretty much in high school, I started to think that one day I wanted to own a medical spa and become an esthetician. And and down to the point of, I remember the colors. I, I'm a very visual person. I was <laughs> the way this beautifully decorated med spa would look. And fast forward to when I opened Urban Skin Solutions in 2006, I picked out those same paint colors. Like I'm very, that's why I actually love it. Like vision boards really work. Like even to this day, as a very stressed out CEO and entrepreneur that oftentimes, you know, feel the weight and responsibility of the world on my shoulders and so much pressure, like I have this dream house that I'm envisioning in my mind, like down to like heated floors and like a, you know, a um, fireplace in my closet and a champagne refrigerator in my dressing room, <laughs> all this stuff it really gets me through my hard days. I'm like, I'm going to get there, you know, make this happen and get there. But um you know, at that point, it was never with like a focus on any specific skin tone or ethnicity. You know, I grew up in a pretty diverse, inclusive, liberal family, lots of um, interracial dating. And we were Jewish and we were Democrat. And like, you know, we were a family that I think had really good, you know, principles. And um, but at the same time, I just was probably naive as, as well as not from not being a woman of color and not realizing how, you know, racism really was in every single facet of life, you know, even as something like skincare, you know, mm-hmm. and aesthetics. And so at that point in time, I was naive, just thinking, I'll just open this med spa and whoever walks in the door, walks in the door. And then I ended up moving to Charlotte to finish college because going to college was important to my parents. And right after college, I went to esthetician school. And there was kind of my first experience of realizing that there was, you know, a lot of, um, missing education and focus on the needs of deeper skin tones. It was really geared towards primarily the needs of lighter skin tones, like specifically like aging, um, which is more prominent in lighter skin tones. But when it came to working on models or, you know, talking about issues that were more common in deeper skin tones, they really like glossed over it or it'd say, you know, deeper skin tone burns so easy or it's so sensitive. Like we recommend just doing these very basic treatments. And I'm like, but that's not going to solve the problem. Like if we mm-hmm. just throw cream cleanser on it, you can't fade dark marks. You can't fade at like get rid of acne. And so, you know, I'm like, there's, I know there's African-American dermatologists, like they can't just be, they have to know more than this. And so I started really pursuing, educating myself on my own, I would order like dermatology books for skin of color while I was in esthetician school, because at that point in time, it wasn't really about, oh, offering these services for the world. It was about servicing my friends and family that I love that were saying, oh, you're an est- you know, becoming an esthetician. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I would go to my teachers and they wouldn't provide a lot of input for me. And then it just, it continued to like, the theme of that just got stronger and stronger as I went, you know, further. And I'll never forget my first job. I was hired um, by a chiropractor and his wife who decided to open a med spa because they thought it was going to be easy money. And they bought this $100,000 laser. They had no marketing budget. They put it in like an office park. So you had no um, signage on a main road. And I was working on commission. So I'm sitting there every day, not getting, seeing anybody. And by chance, 
I had learned that the laser that they had bought was one of the few lasers on the market that was safe for all skin tones to do mm-hmm. laser on. And I don't even think they knew that when they bought it. And so I did some treatments on my friends with deeper skin tones. And then a couple of my guy friends who had really bad ingrown hairs on their neck, I did laser hair mo- removal on their beard area. And the results were like amazing. And I just remember one night being like, gosh, you know, I would love to spread the word about how well this works for, um, you know, black men and women dealing with ingrown hairs, like on the bikini and the beard. And so I made some flyers and started like hitting the streets, going into salons and barber shops. And it was very intimidating (laughs) walking into a barber shop, you know, everybody looks at you and, but you know, I've always been a hustler and I felt that I had something that could really improve the quality of people's lives and it worked. And so we started getting some business and I think I just like realized pretty quickly that I had something special on my hands and these people owning this business, they didn't care anything about specializing in deeper skin tones. And I was like, you know, there's really a need for a med spa that really invests in education, equipment that caters to the needs of deeper skin tones. I mean, yes, by all means, we will provide great services for those that have lighter skin, but we, you know, Charlotte, which is so diverse and has a large population of deeper skin tones, you know, could really benefit from this. So I think maybe a year after going to aesthetic school, I opened a very small med spa, bought this laser. Luckily, my family co-signed on a loan for me, which I am always transparent about because I think people, you know, are always like wondering, how did you get funding and transparent? Mm-hmm family did co-sign on a loan for me. But from day one, I wrote these commercials to go on a local radio station about like, are you tired of plucking annoying chin hairs and the dark marks it leaves behind? And it was like our phones just ran off the, rang off the hook. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So there's so much in there that I want to unpack. I mean, okay. So starting off, I honestly truly believe especially listening to every woman that has come on and shared their story on this podcast, that our pain births our purpose. You know, we go through these things and it gives us the passion to help other people so they don't have to go through it. So when you talked about having the mole and how it made you feel and, you know, you wanting to get into that industry, the aesthetics and and cosmetics industry, And then having to deal with the experience of the failed laser surgery. Now, um, I'm not, like, I can say from my own experience, uh, it wasn't on my face, but I also had some precancerous issues and had failed uh, laser surgery. So I know, like, you were telling your story and I was like, I feel you, girl. I feel you. Like, and that's the importance of our stories that we can connect through each other's stories so deeply. But just hearing how even your belief in uh, visioneering exercises, you know, the vision boards, like being very strong about what you see visually. I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of those things because naturally as people, we think in pictures. So if I were to ask you right now, you know, what does your car look like? You could describe it to me. You know, what does your fridge look like? You could describe it to me. And oftentimes, if we don't know what we want for ourselves, if we are not able to describe it, then how are we supposed to manifest that? Like we need to be able to see it, um, you know, visually. Uh, 
you know, for the faith-based people, you need to be able to see it in the spirit before, you know, it happens in the natural. So the fact that you said you had like the colors written down, the things that were on your vision board, and then that came to life. Like, I, I love all of that. And when you spoke about being in aesthetics and realizing very quickly how the skincare um, industry didn't necessarily have as much resources as it had for the lighter skin tones. So I also, um, years ago, I went to college for aesthetics and spa management and realized the very first day in makeup class where they had given us all these different colors of foundation and one was for darker skin tones. And it was super dark. It was a, it's super dark and had orange undertone and it didn't go with myself or the other two women of color in the class. And the things that we had to do to even be able to pass that class with the tools that were given to us. So I love the fact that, you know, those things, you were passionate enough about them to take your own stance and start to educate yourself on darker skin tones and how you could help, like you said, the people that you love, the, you know, your family and friends, because we have skincare ish like skin issues just like everybody else you know what i mean we have things we have needs but the industry wasn't recognizing it especially you know back then i'm going to say as much as it is today so thank you for being that leader to step up and say something needs to be done here and i'm going to be the one to do it because oftentimes people will see something and just say well i'll leave that for somebody else to do or you know that looks like too much work or you know whatever it is but you weren't passive about it you took action so thank you thank you wow i mean even when you talk about building a business in a particular niche you mentioned before where you know some people may have looked at the fact that you were a non-Black woman, but you were creating products for the darker skin tones and how business actually took off for you because you picked a niche. You found a problem and you provided a solution. Most people you know, will get into being an entrepreneur or wanting to do something and not realize it's, it's about providing solutions. And you, you found a, a market that was not being served and you made it your passion to serve them. And that is why you're being blessed in the way that you are and your business taking off and, and doing so great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it has been an interesting journey at times with me not being a woman of color. It is hard for some people that, you know, my business is not black owned and, you know, we 100% stand as a company for investing in black owned businesses and why it is so important for black and non-black people to invest in black owned businesses but i also want you know allies to be embraced you know allyship is extremely important to fix mm-hmm. you know a lot of these terrible disparities and you know issues with systemic racism so You know, all I can say is, you know, I think that if everybody who everybody sat back when a problem didn't affect them and was like, you know, Mm -hmm. this this doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to worry about it, we wouldn't fix you know, what's going on in this world. And so oftentimes, unfortunately, I get a lot of questions like, you know, like trolls on Instagram and I try to get over it that really will bring me negativity about that. And I'm just like, you know, please learn about my story. Please learn about my journey. 
because I never started this business to get to where I am today. It was truly with a mission to to change the individual client's skin that was laying in front of me in a bed. And mm-hmm. I think that what made me successful was I was so passionate about solving this problem rather than just becoming a millionaire. And I think that that's where so many entrepreneurs do go wrong is it's more about being that CEO, being that boss, being that, I want to see a brand of mine in Target rather than concentrating on the passion of a problem and a solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how has your journey been like since the pandemic, both the health pandemic and the racial pandemic, like has it affected your business and how you serve? Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I, I would be, um, I'd be lying if it, if it didn't, if I said it didn't Yeah, definitely this year has been, has been difficult for me in some ways. It's been exciting in so many ways because of, you know, all of the, you know, my values of what myself and my company stands for is about inclusion and equal rights and opportunity and diversity within the workplace and, you know, in the skincare industry. But um, I've dealt with a lot of negativity and questioning of like, you know, my motives or, you know, and it tends to come from people who don't take the time to learn about the history of Urban Skinner X and my journey. Mm-hmm. But it's like being called a pedophile. Like there's nothing worse than being told like you're a culture vulture or a Mm -hmm. racist. Or I mean, that's like goes against everything I stand for. So I would be lying if I said that hasn't been trying and hurtful at times. Yes. So how do you stay motivated? Like how do you get back up when you have to deal with stuff like that? I mean, I surround myself with loving people. I mean, I have over 50 employees and they know what we stand for. They know when you have over 50 employees, you know, especially in the age of social media, you can't be smoke and mirrors anymore. Like Mm -hmm. if you're just like preaching, you're all about one thing, but internally you're not, it's going to leak, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think having those people that, you know, they'll see me on lives and some lives will be worse than others where people just for some reason, just randomly, it will be like so much negativity about like the color of my skin, you know, as it relates to the owning of the company and those send me kind messages or like my family or just me being like, you know, with greatness comes, you know, drama and negativity. And that's just what it is. And I've dealt with negativity from all different races my whole life, whether or not, you know, it's bullying for the way I looked or it's, you know, it's just, I just have to pick myself up. I think, who was it? Jeff? Jesus. Yeah. He had put out this comment not that long ago. You might not have seen it, but it was like during Clubhouse, somebody asked him, like, what words of encouragement would you give an upcoming, you know, entrepreneur? And he said, like, if you need words of encouragement, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. And it mm. was like, it's just so true. Like, you got to <laughs> boss up, you know, and talk yourself through it. And overall, my company's doing great. I have so many amazing fans, glow getters, people that love the company. And so, like, shame on me if I let this, like, you know, this smaller number of like haters and negativity, like 
keep me from doing God's work and what mm-hmm. he's doing through me as, you know, so, yeah. but I'm human and of course it hurts. And it's like a subject that's like goes against everything that I stand for in the times that like I had no money and was just like working my ass off, you know, it, I'm like, you don't know what I've been through to make this happen. And it wasn't mm-hmm. for the money. Yeah, I feel like with, you know, trolls on social media, especially in this day and age, everyone can create false accounts with no face and, you know, go off on people. But I honestly believe like ignorance is lack of knowledge and not just lack of knowledge about your company, but often a lot of people have a a lot of lack of knowledge about themselves and they project that onto other people. So that negativity, it's not even necessarily like about you. It's about them, you know, things that, that they need to to deal with. But at the end of the day, you got to continue to do what you're doing in terms of inspiring and providing solutions. So what inspires you the most about what you do? Really making changes in individuals' lives. Like I am somebody who suffers severely from self-image issues, confidence issues about the way I look, especially with my skin, I still struggle with a lot of skin issues. And um, just knowing how when I feel good about my appearance, it just makes my me have a better quality of life, you know, whether or not it's holding my head up higher in a meeting to, you know, demand and get what I deserve or, you know, just anything. It just like, and so to be in a position now where I can affect do that globally and for the masses really makes me feel like I'm going to leave this world with a legacy of, you know, maybe a single mom who was always irritated with her kids because she was stretched too thin. And on top of it, she felt super ugly about her skin. And maybe by me making her feel better about her parents, she was a little bit kinder to her children, a little bit more, um, you know, patient and how did that affect their lives by having a more patient mother? Like, you know, it just, mm-hmm. I really do feel like in this somewhat vain way, I'm making the world a better place. You know what? I goosebumps when you said that. I don't believe it's in a vain way. I believe, and maybe because that uh, my background in aesthetics as well, but and then you throw in like, you know, my mindset education. We have two images of ourselves when you talk about self-image. We have the image on the inside and we have the image on the outside. The one on the outside is how, you know, how we look, how we do our hair, how we walk, how we talk. Yes, that affects how we interact with other people because if we don't look good, if we don't feel like you look good, then, you know, it comes across in everything else that you do. And then we have our inner self-image of how we really see ourselves, you know, that affects our self-confidence and affects the opportunities that we go after and the relationships that we have with other people. And there was a study done, um, I think it was Dr. Maxwell Maltz or something his name is, and he had done a study and it was, you know, doing facial um, surgery, like removing moles from people's faces and things like that, and studying how they, like the confidence that they uh, showed before and after. And there are people who literally on the outside, there may be parts of themselves that they are not comfortable with or, you know, not confident about. And for the things that you do and the services that you provide, whether it be acne, whether it be dark spots, whatever it is, to make them feel more confident, to make them feel uh, more comfortable in their skin so that they can, 
you know, go out there and go after the opportunities that they deserve and go out there and feel confident in the relationships that they want to be in. So I think maybe we've been programmed as a society to look at things like skincare as superficial, but not digging deeper to realize how that affects us on a deeper level. I agree. (laughs) So what advice would you give to a woman listening right now who is second guessing starting a business? I actually don't think second guessing it is a horrible thing because I believe in going over, if you don't go into something with worst case scenario in mind, I mean, some people would say I'm a bit of a pessimist. I think that pessimism prepares you and me always having a plan for worst case scenario has gotten me, you know, to where I am today because being an entrepreneur is all about pivoting. It's all Mm -hmm. about, you know, being able to get over every hurdle. So I would say if you're second guessing it, it's because you're thinking of something that could possibly keep you from being successful and you need to have a plan as to for how that will, won't get in your way, whether or not it's childcare, it's funding, it's um, a marketing plan, it's competitors, you know, like, so you need to have a plan for all of those things. And anybody who says that you don't is living in a dream world. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people that there's a lot of failure with entrepreneurship and it takes somebody that has extreme determination and has a solution for every problem. So I would, I would get through those and it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I would write down those second guessing and see if you can come up with a plan for them. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I'm one of those crazy people that when I jumped into entrepreneurship, I jumped in as a single mom going through a divorce (laughs) and I jumped in head first. I did not have a plan B, but I don't advise that to anybody. So, you know, you telling them to write down the things that they are second guessing so that they can come up with solutions before that happens. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like, well, I can only work on my business at nighttime because I have another company, I have a real job and I have kids I have to take care of. Well, that's going to get me down to only five hours of sleep. What can I do to make up for that five hours? Is there another time that I can take a power nap or how can I change my eating habits? So I'm eating enough, like, you know, energizing food that it can counteract like what this is going to do to my body and mind. Like you really like, I believe in, you know, having up as many plans as possible. And of course you're not going to have, you're never going to know what's going to happen, but I do think thinking through how to make things happen, having business plans that are realistic are very important. I, I, I created a business plan when I went to the bank for the loan. And, you know, regardless if I had a co-signer, I still had to get approval for my business loan based on a business plan. And there was Mm -hmm. three scenarios that I did with a bookkeeper, which was like financials of me blowing out the water, me doing average and me doing way under average, like rather than seeing, you know, five patients a day within a month, how do my financials look if I'm only seeing two patients a day the first month, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think 
if you can make it under the worst case scenario, you know, then maybe you have a financially sustainable plan. I love it. I love it. Giving options. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Rachel, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? (laughs) I'm super scared of flying. I'm not a good flyer. I feel you. I'm a terrible flyer and I get really petrified doing speeches. I'm good with like fire chats. I'm good with question answer, but you have me do like a speech. You know how people can go present. Mm-hmm. I will panic so bad to the point that I, my body will tighten so much and I will sweat so much that the next day I will feel like I've gone through a car accident. And my muscles mm-hmm. hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely resonate with you 1000%. And, you know, and <laughs> here's the thing. I think sometimes we we have these experiences and we think that we're alone. And the more that we are open and transparent about them, we realize that there is like a whole community of people that can completely resonate. I can tell you, I talk about this all the time, that I also have a huge fear of flying, but I always wanted to see different parts of the world. And growing up, my mother would put me on a plane to go to Jamaica by myself to go spend some time with my father. So that was about a four hour flight. So on the flight, I am all like, they have to give me the vomit bag. They have to get like, I was a hot mess every single time. And as I got older, I would just avoid any trips to anywhere that was over four hours. And then when I started working through I'm gonna say, you know, pushing past my limits and getting really uncomfortable um, so that I could grow. I started booking flights to other places around the world. And when I, you know, my book came out and I started being invited to speak in different places, I was terrified. I was terrified of the flight and I was terrified of the fact that they wanted me to speak. And my anxiety would go through the roof. And I don't know if you know what fibromyalgia is, but I was diagnosed with that in 2006 and it's triggered by stress. So if I had to fly, the stress levels in my body, my anxiety would be so high and my muscles would tense up so tight that it would feel like, you know, when someone goes to the gym and does like, I don't know if they do leg day, the next day their legs are sore and, you know, the soft muscle tissue, that was my entire body. So every speaking opportunity, every time I had to fly, I literally shut down. So I feel you a thousand percent. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's something where I just, I want so bad to be I don't want to be a, a unhealthy person. I don't want to let unreasonable fears hold me back from living my best life. So I force myself to do it, but it's not very graceful. I drink a lot of Jack Daniels when I fly. <laughs> Listen, I sometimes to, we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> I try to hold, hide it from my daughter too, because I just like, I don't want her to learn my unreasonable fears. And so she just like associates me as like drinking on airplanes, like, you know, oh, you're going to have your Jack Daniels. Like, you know, it's like this pastime. And I'm like, well, I guess it's better to think I like to have fun on the airplane rather than like <laughs> I'm totally scared of dying. Listen, I, I feel you. I feel you, girl. I think at the end of the day, we all have different coping mechanisms on, you know, how we are able to overcome certain things. But I've realized that everything that I've ever wanted is on the other side of what I feared. So it's working through things in whatever way I can, um, whether it be getting help or, you know, putting other things in place to, to make sure that I can do that and experience that. Because if I, you know, had, had kept up 
with my fear of not even wanting to go on flights over four hours, I wouldn't have been able to see parts of the world. I wouldn't have been able to have those experiences. So for you, like, I, I don't, I mean, whatever route you choose to go, but in terms of like being transparent with your daughter, even if you don't want her to have those same fears, because maybe she doesn't have any fears of flying. You know, you guys have been on, on flights together. So just being open with her, like, you know what, I'm, I'm actually a little scared. <laughs> you never know what may come from that. I'll keep that in mind. I, I just, you know, I've tried so much as a mother to give her this perfect life. I had a lot of dysfunctions in my upbringing that led me just to be a pretty unhealthy person for a long time. And I have to be careful to not like skew the whole other way and paint mm-hmm. life this perfect picture and not give her the skills that she needs to navigate the difficulties of this effed up world we're living in. So mm-hmm. it's totally like I have to work on that because for years she's never seen me cry. She'd never seen me in a relationship for seven years, you know, because I didn't trust myself in a relationship around her and mm-hmm. just, yeah, just kind of painting this, like her father, you know, he is a pretty disappointing person and mm-hmm. really doesn't always lead the best life. And for so long, I painted him very differently to her, made so many excuses for him mm-hmm. because I didn't want this young child, like, you know, just, having worries. Like, I'm like, she's six, she's seven, she's eight. She doesn't need to be stressed and worried about, you know, the life her father's living, you know, but at some point, you know, I started to realize that I was doing her an injustice by almost, Mm -hmm. by creating it, what's going to eventually be a bigger disappointment when she figures out what, what the real deal is. This false perception. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I, I, I had, uh, I'm going to say a similar experience as well. So I, I get you. There's no judgment here whatsoever. I get it. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to tell the people where they could stay connected with you online before we go to the final segment of the show. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at urban skin founder. You can even more importantly, follow my business on Instagram at urban skin RX, and you can go to www.urbanskinrx.com to purchase our products or any Ulta or target store nationwide, Walmart, CVS. And we got some more exciting retailers coming pretty soon. Awesome. Awesome. So I will definitely have the direct links in the detailed section right below your episode so they can find you and they don't have to search too far. Well, I appreciate that. No problem. So the final segment of the show is kind of like a rapid fire. It's just a couple of quick reflection questions. And you say the first thing that comes to mind, whether that be one word or one sentence. So name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Mm, George Floyd. Mm. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that can be an investment of time, money, energy. Personal assistant. Mm. Name a new belief, behavior, or habit that has improved your life in the last five years. Stretching. What impact do you want to have on the world? Confidence. What have you become better at saying no to 
in the last five years. And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Going out for drinks. (laughs) And last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Compliment themselves. Mm, Love it. Love it. And on that note, Rachel, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us and for sharing your story with us. I truly, truly appreciate you. All right. Well, I appreciate you so much. And, you know, please be in touch. And this is really, it was a nice break for my day. (laughs) I will definitely, definitely be in touch because I am about to use your product. So I will let you know how much I love them. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rachel. Enjoy the rest of your day. And to all you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. I want to thank every single one of you who downloads the show and listens to the show to help us because we now rank in the top 2% of the most popular shows globally out of all podcasts, and that's millions. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you want to join the community of Legacy Leavers and sign up for our weekly newsletter, you can do so at awakamystilettos.com. And be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you could think of one person that would receive value from hearing Rachel's story, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram so we can share. You can tag myself at the Real McKinney Smith. And you can tag Rachel at Urban Skin Founder or Urban Skin Rx. Until next time, continue to walk in your greatness in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>